Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew chapter 8. When we get to it, we will begin at verse 5. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. If you've come this evening for healing, then you need to look to God's holy word. If you've come this evening for healing, then you need to look to God's holy word. That means you need to find somebody that has a Bible next to you and share it with them. Ask them to share with you. You say, why is that so important? Because the Bible says he sent his word and healed them. That's why. Because uh, Job and Jeremiah both understood that the word of the Lord was more than a necessary bread. Jeremiah said, The joy of the rejoicing of my heart. Because his words are life unto those that find them in health and all their flesh. If they're kept before our eyes, in our ears, in our hearts. The Word becomes life unto them that find them health and all their flesh. So we need to look to the Word of God this evening. Find out what God's Word has to say about it. The Bible says that the people came to hear Jesus and then to be healed. To hear and to be healed. So we need to hear because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Amen? So they came to hear and to be healed. Glory to God. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to You for Your Holy Word. As we approach it, we do so with reverence and humility, inviting the teaching ministry of the Holy Ghost to unveil to us the deep, rich treasures of your word, to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability in all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank you for ears to hear, hearts to receive and perceive, and minds to understand and know the truth that makes us free. We look to you as we yield ourselves now. To cause us to know and understand, dear Father God, that we may be doers of your word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to begin by saying that if you've come this evening for healing for your physical body, or deliverance for your mind, or even salvation for your spirit, eternal life, wants you to know, God wants you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. Very often when you're in pain, you know, your body's racked with pain, you feel as though that you're all alone. Or when your mind is disturbed, you know, and full of anxiety and fretting and worry, fear, turmoil. You feel as though you're all alone. You're by yourself. Very often many will go here and seek it. They'll go there and seek it. Try to get relief. Try to get deliverance. Try to be made free from the problem that they're facing in life. I want you to know something. You're not alone in this. God is for you. You're not alone in this. God is with you. You're not alone in this. God is in you if you're a child of God. You're not alone in, in, in seeking out and pursuing the help that you need and the deliverance that you need. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, all three are involved in what you need tonight. Amen. They are on your side, and provisions have been made. And I'll be quite frank about it. They are more concerned and interested with our deliverance than we are. I'm going to say it this way. They have more of a desire that we be free than we do for ourselves to be free. In other words, the Father desires people to be saved and delivered from the, the pits of, of hell than the person out there walking on the street that doesn't even know God. God has a stronger desire for them to be free. God has a stronger desire that we be made whole and sound in mind than we do ourselves. God wants our bodies to be full of strength, health, vigor, vitality, more than we do. How do you know? Because I know what He did about it. Because, you see, He's made provisions for it. He sent Jesus to die for it. It wasn't just lip service, my brother and sister. It was action. God in action. Sending forth His only begotten Son. Why? So that our spirits can be delivered from death. So that our souls can be renewed. Our minds can be free from satanic oppression and anxiety and turmoil. And so that our bodies 
once again can be full of life and health and strength and vitality and vigor. Amen. Amen. You see, He did all that for us. See, God the Father planned things out. That's all I know. See, He's provided a, a, a beautiful plan of redemption that includes provisions for every department of man's being. That's what the Father did. He, planned out. he drew up the blueprints, so to speak. Then Jesus, He came down to the earth as an act of His will to be robed in flesh for the purpose of what? Of carrying out the Father's plan, working out the Father's plan. See, you've got somebody who drew up the blueprints and you have to have somebody to go out there and work the thing out. And that's exactly what Jesus did as an act of His will. And He said, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life. And He laid down His life to work out the Father's plan in every detail. Why? So that we can have deliverance in spirit, soul, and body. And so you see here, we see Jesus actively involved in our deliverance. So you see, we're not in it alone. We're not seeking it out by ourselves. And you say, what about the Holy Ghost? Well, all the works that Jesus did, He did not claim to do by Himself. He says, I'm anointed with the Spirit and with power. And I've been sent forth into the world to preach the gospel to the poor, deliverance to the captives, becoming a sight to the blind, and all that. He, that's exactly what His ministry was. It was empowered by the Spirit of God. And everywhere He went, we see Jesus demonstrating the love the Father has for mankind by restoring people back into soundness of mind and causing body parts to be made whole once again. And in Matthew 15 glorious scriptures when they brought the multitudes to Jesus up there on the mountaintop and they cast them down at Jesus' feet, even those who were maimed were made whole once again. Body parts that were actually removed were made whole once again. You know, as I meditated on this and thought about some of these things, and I'm going to share some of these things with you this evening, I stood puzzled. I stood puzzled before God. Back in Malachi chapter 4, don't have to turn to it, but back in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about, the scriptures talk about the, the day would come when the Son of Righteousness would arise with what? With healing in His wings. And as I pondered over that, I said, well now, I mean, that's good. I mean, it's exciting. But here we have a blood covenant people, the Israelites, who had a covenant with God that was a covenant of healing that provided for them all that they needed, not only to be healed in their bodies, but also to be free from sickness and free from disease. For the Scripture clearly says that if you obey my commandments and do the things that I command of you, He said, I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. That was a part of their covenant agreement with the living God. Isn't that true? Here we have a people of God with a beautiful covenant, with divine potential to be free from sickness, to be free from disease, and yet they were not living up to what God had planned out for them and provided for them. They were not experiencing the fullness of what God has provided for them. And the prophet, you know, at the close of the Old Testament canon, began to predict and say that one day in the future there's going to come the Son of Righteousness, and He's going to rise. He's going to have healing in His wings. And as I said, I thought about that. Were the Israelites really living up to what God had provided? Why did the Son, S-U-N of righteousness, have to come and shed the light that was necessary for men to understand that God wanted people healed as well as saved and delivered in their minds? You say, but I thought the Israelites enjoyed that covenant blessing. All you've got to do to figure that out is just to go and look, at, look through the Gospels and you'll find out that when Jesus came... Even the leaders of the temple, in the temple, do you know what they thought? They thought it was wrong to heal on the Sabbath day. Because when Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, they got angry with Him. They were full of wrath. If that's the case, seems to me they didn't have any kind of healing meetings. Seems to me they didn't have any citywide crusades. And the more I studied it out, you know what I found out? I found out, just as Jesus prophesied or said in there in chapter 4 of Luke, He said, surely you're going to say to me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. 
But he goes on and he says, Yeah, but in the days of Eliseus, which is Elisha the prophet, there were many lepers where? In Israel. But the, none of them were healed. Save Naaman, an outsider, the leper. Isn't that true? Well, if, he, if, if there are many lepers, they weren't healed. It's obvious that even Elijah and Elisha the prophet did not have healing ministries. Did you ever study it out and see that? Elijah had one person healed, raised from the dead, under his ministry. One. That's recorded in the Scriptures. Elisha did 16 miracles. Had 16 miracles recorded under his ministry in the Bible. Elijah. Elisha had double, the double portion, the double anointing. He had 32 miracles. Out of the 32 miracles, four of them were bona fide healings that took place. Four. And as you go throughout the entire Old Testament, where do we see where they had healing crusades? We see in Exodus when the, the, the deliverance came out of Egypt, where they partook of the meal, and they were all delivered and set free, and there was not one people among them. But how long did that last? Like I said, all we have to do to determine that is to look when Jesus came in the Gospels, and we find out that when somebody began to bring forth and demonstrate the healing power of God, what happened? They came from every quarter. Out of the north and the south and the east and the west, they came from every quarter, every region round about. Why? Because they were so sick and afflicted. They longed to be delivered. They were crying out for help. Nothing like this was ever seen before. Blind eyes were being opened. Deaf ears were being unstopped. The lame were beginning to walk. Praise God. The dead were being raised. The lepers were being cleansed. The glory of the Lord had appeared. And just as Malachi prophesied, the day did come when the day spring from on high did visit mankind in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The day did come when the, bright, the morning star, the Son of Righteousness, did arise with healing in His wings. And the light of God's love began to shine unto the people. And they began to be illuminated with the understanding that God wants people delivered and whole and set free in spirit and in soul and also in their physical bodies. And they began to see the great light of God's compassionate love towards suffering humanity. And I mean to tell you, they were so elated, they were so on fire, they were so full of joy, that out of every quarter, it tells me that if they had crusades of healing, healing crusades are those who were anointed with healing power back then in those days, they certainly weren't practicing what they had. It shows me there was a lack of understanding concerning the covenant that God had made with Israel, concerning their physical well-being, their emotional well-being. It seems to me like as though they neglected the Scriptures and the leaders taught them religious traditions that made the Word of God null and void. The traditions of men. It shows me that people were, were, were dying in their sins. Their minds were being absolutely destroyed by demon power. And also their physical bodies were being oppressed and in bondage to satanic activity, sickness and disease. But on that day when Jesus began His public ministry, there went a fame abroad. I mean, His fame went abroad. And what were they doing? They were gathering together the sick people, putting them on beds, couches, cots. And where were they going? They were going to see Jesus. Never has it been seen before like this. You see, beloved, Israel had light, but they had limited light. And I don't know that there was too long of a period of time, a stretch, you see, of time, where they walked in the full benefits of their covenant, that they walked free. There was a time, but how long did that time last? It's obvious in the days of Jesus, they were sickly people. They were dying. Leprosy and all kinds of diseases and blindness and deafness and dumb and, and everything. But the Son of Righteousness did arise with healing in His wings.
and he began to bring the light concerning God's love and compassion towards suffering humanity. And you know, if you want to really see healing at work, you've got to look to the Gospels and see Jesus at work. If you want to, want to understand healing, you have to look to the Gospels and you have to see Jesus at work. Because I believe the Scriptures there in the Gospels reveal to us God's ways of healing and bringing help to suffering humanity. And then you've got to be full of, you've got to be hungry and thirsty for God. You've got to hunger and thirst after this righteousness. You know what righteousness is? It's putting your spirit in right standing with God. It's putting your soul in right standing with God. It's putting your body in right standing with God. Amen. Do you see that? Get that body, the soul and the spirit all in right standing before God. Stand before the presence of His glory. And I'll show you this. He said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? They shall be filled. Well, the Son of Righteousness has arisen with healing in His wings. If you hunger after the Son of Righteousness with healing in His wings, what will you be? Filled with the healing power of God. Hallelujah. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 8. I want to just point out three different ways. And we're just going to br briefly talk about these three ways. And then we're going to pray for the sick. Three different ways. Before we look at that scripture over there in verse 5, I have something else came to my spirit. I have to bring it out. I don't want us to be guilty. Of course, we're not guilty here because we have laying on of hand service all the time. But you know, the church, for the most part, has been guilty of doing exactly what the Israelites did in the synagogue. Not practicing the healing power of God. Do you know that? That's the truth. In public meetings such as these, in, in many churches across the United States of America, they do not hold public healing meetings. When Jesus emphatically said, we shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. That's the truth. What does that show us? It shows us even the body of Christ itself, even though having a better covenant, established upon better promises, are living below, is living below what God has truly provided for them. Why is there such a, a lack of knowledge? Because not too many dare rise up to a place where they would proclaim these truths. Why? Because there's so much persecution with the healing ministry. Because there are so many things that take place in that realm that many get discouraged and many get upset about it and offended by it. But, beloved, I want you to know something. We are required as ministers of the gospel to preach the whole counsel of God. And that includes not only salvation for the spirit of a man, but also includes deliverance for his mind and also healing for his physical body. We are required of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. And so you see, we're not going to be guilty of that. I believe God. Do you believe God? I believe God that Jesus has never changed. And the same son of righteousness who arose was healing within his, in his wings and there visited mankind and, and, and demonstrated the compassionate love of the Father for a suffering humanity. When Jesus rose from the dead, he's still the same son of righteousness with all power, with all authority, both in heaven and in earth. He's never changed, will never change, and he longs to, to demonstrate the Father's great compassionate love for hurting people by allowing his healing power to flow in a mighty way to bring deliverance and to bring healing to the souls and the bodies of, of his children. He longs for it. He desires it. And I know that when there, when there are people who desire it just as much as God does, you put those two forces together, you have dynamic results. For those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. They shall not go away dissatisfied. They shall be satisfied. For they shall be filled overflowing. Three ways. Very quickly here. Three ways. Three ways that God heals. Three ways. But within the three ways, there are many different avenues of activity and many different ways to act upon each individual way. In other words, many different ways we can act upon it. Whether it's the Word, the anointing, or the gifts of the Spirit, there are many different ways or manifestations or avenues of activity when it comes to cooperating with God and, and uh, allowing Him to lead and guide and direct us as to what we should be doing. But in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, we're going to find out the first way. And once again, we need to be committed. We need to study. 
We can't just come to a healing service and, and, and if you don't get it one time and just quit and just go on your way and forget about it and go somewhere else trying to find it. You need to get into the Word of God for yourself. Be committed, hunger and thirst after it. And if you will, then He says you will be filled. Be committed to it, to the study of God's Holy Word. Number one, in Matthew chapter 8 verse 5, when Jesus was there to compare them, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lie at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith to him, I will come and heal him. Now notice, this is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. He emphatically says, I will come and heal him, his servant. Centurion said, Not so, Lord. I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. From a man under authority, having soldiers under me, I say, This man going to go to this man coming to come up unto my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have never found, I have not found so great faith in all of Israel. Stop right there. He's not found so great faith in all of Israel. Well, if all of Israel didn't have all that kind of great faith, what did they have? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. What did they have? What were they hearing in the synagogue? Tradition. Religion. See, they didn't have faith like this man. Jesus called this great faith. You know this, number one, the first and foremost way that God brings deliverance and healing to, to any, any people is faith in the Word alone. Say it with me. Faith in the Word alone. Just in the Word alone. Here Jesus offered to come to his house. He offered probably to lay hands upon him and pray for him with the healing power that he was anointed with. And he probably didn't anticipate or expect this person's answer or response to what he said. He said, not so, Lord. I'm not worthy you come under my roof. You speak the word only. That's all. That will be sufficient. I don't need to see your body. Walk into my house. I don't need to see your hands laid upon my servant. I don't have to see the anointing or, or, or sense the anointing or see anything happen in the natural, in the physical. All I need from you, the only reason why I came was to get a word from you. If you will just give me the word, my servant will be healed. Why? Because I am a man under authority. When I say to my servant, do this, he does it. To go here, he goes. To bring this, he brings it. And whatever I say to do, that's what he does or that's what they do. I recognize that you have authority, you have power over demon spirits, power over sickness and disease, power over the palsy, and if you'll just say the word, then my servant will be healed. That's all that's necessary for me. Just the word. The number one, the foremost way that God heals His people or delivers His people is through faith, personal faith, in the word alone. Apart from any laying on of hands, apart from any manifestations of the Spirit, any other demonstrations of God's power, strictly based upon the Word alone, the message of healing. That's exactly what this fellow based his faith on. Jesus called it great faith that was not so much as found in all of Israel. It's important we understand that. And let's read on and see what happened. And I say unto you in verse 11 that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out of darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed. And his servant was healed in the self same Hour. You know what that tells me? That God watches over His Word to perform it, to make it good. And when people act upon His Word, even His Word alone, they will receive the desired result. See, it's, it's important we make distinctions here and find out the different ways. Not only is it important for us, for those of you who are here and you say you need healing for your body, but it's also important for all of us because down the road somewhere, if you find yourself in need of healing, these are important truths that have to be implanted within our hearts. 
The word is sufficient. And what does that mean to us? It means if we'll just get a hold of the message of healing in redemption, focus our attention upon it. How many of you recall many times we've talked about we're, we're to look at the word or we're to look at the cross, we look at the uh, uh, Calvary and see what Jesus has done for us, becoming the curse for us, and we're not to look at our symptoms? How many remember that? You know, we talk about that in healing, and that's part of looking to the word alone. And some, you know, they think, well, my goodness, I don't know that I, you know, could do this, or I don't know that I should do this. Is this right? They question whether or not we should do that. I've got a pain in my body, and, and, and although the pain is there, I'm supposed to not consider this. I'm supposed to consider what Jesus has done for me while I've got this pain in my body. And that's a difficult thing to do, and I realize that it is, because that pain is saying something. It's an indicator, indicating something to you and to me, telling us something. Yet we're telling people, well, don't look at that. It's there, and don't deny it. But don't look at that. Look steadfastly at what Jesus has done for you that you can be healed. Look to the Word alone. Well, as I was meditating also along these lines, you know what the Lord showed me? How many of you recall back there in Numbers 21 when they were bitten of serpents, fiery serpents? Remember that? And Moses was instructed to hang, or to hold up the pole, the brazen serpent upon the pole. Remember that? He said, everyone that, that what? Looketh? If you've been bitten, everyone that looketh will be what? Can you imagine telling somebody who's just been bitten by a poisonous snake with that poison flowing, beginning its course in that person's system and they all died other ones died can you imagine telling that person don't look to your symptoms look to the brazen serpent did you notice that it said everyone that looketh everyone that gazes how many everyone who's bitten that gazes that looks steadfastly at the brazen serpent shall be what? What happened to those that didn't look? They died. Now, we're not talking about poison flowing through a person's system, although we can say sickness and disease is poison. We're talking about poison that will kill you like now. And we say that the Scriptures teach us that we are to look at what Jesus has done for us, not to look to our bodily symptoms. And so many have difficulty with that and say, no, I don't believe that. Beloved, God's Word doesn't change and we cannot alter it. If He says we are not to look at the things seen, but look at the things not seen, then we're to look at the things not seen. We're to gaze into, steadfastly into the Scriptures that teach us what Christ has done for us upon Calvary's cross. We're to look at the Scriptures that say with the stripes, we were healed. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, and Jesus became the curse on the tree for us. See, we're to gaze steadfastly at Jesus just as He was lifted up. And becoming the, the curse for us, we're to look into that until what happens? Until what happens? Until we're healed. Don't stop looking. Don't stop your steadfast look is what he's saying. Keep looking to the Word. And the Word alone is sufficient to bring about our healing and our deliverance. The second method is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. And there are various, I mean, there are many different avenues of activity when it comes to receiving... But the second one here, and we could talk a whole lot more about the first, but we just want to get these in. We want to give you different ways so that you can understand how to release your faith. But the second one here is faith in the anointing. Say it with me, faith in the anointing. Say it this way, faith in the healing anointing. The first one is faith in the Word alone. The second one is faith in the healing anointing. Very often, many times we've taught this scripture here before, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 uh, to 34 is, you know, the story about the woman with the issue of blood. And more or less, we put them together and we talked about, well, her faith got her whole. But her faith did make her whole. But what was her faith in? And I began to, to meditate that. What was her faith in? Was her faith in the Word alone? No. You see this? You'll see something in Revelation here. The, her faith was not in the Word alone. See, at this time, she probably didn't hear enough of the Word or have any understanding of these things. And so, she just took what she heard. What she hears, she heard of Jesus. Well, what did she hear of Jesus? It's obvious to, to me and should be to all of us. She must have heard that people were touching the hem of His garment and there went virtue out of Him and he, they were made whole who touched Him. For there went power. She must have got wind of the fact that Jesus was going from city to city preaching that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach the liberty of the bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 
And so she heard something that, that made her, motivated her to pass through the crowds as, as, you know, as weakened as she was to, to find her way to get a hold of Jesus' garment, the hem of Jesus' garment. Her faith was in the anointing that was upon Jesus' life, the virtue that went out of him, the ability that God empowered him with. She heard about that power. She heard about that ability. And so she went in pursuit of the hem of his garment. And you know what? This woman was not going to give up. She was not going to give, give in to religious tradition. It didn't matter to her that Jairus was right there, who was the ruler of the synagogue, who could have had her put to death because of her condition, was an unclean condition. She wasn't allowed to associate herself with people to make human contact. She had to say that she was unclean. And it didn't matter to her that she was in a weakened state. It didn't matter that she spent all that she had. She wasn't bitter towards the doctor. She wasn't bitter towards people. She wasn't bitter towards the religious uh, leaders and rulers. She wasn't bitter about anything. She mustered up all the strength that she had. She had her focus on one thing and one thing alone. I must contact the anointing power that Jesus has been anointed with by touching the hem of His garment so that I can be whole. And it didn't matter what stood between her and the hem of that garment. She was going to make her way through. If she had to bull her way through, she would get to the hem of his garment. Her faith, though, beloved, was in the anointing that Jesus was anointed with. And let's read it. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had but was nothing better but rather grew worse when she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch May touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that what? Virtue, dunamis, miracle-working power. Now, I want you to notice this. That does not say back in Matthew that miracle-working power was released to the body or the hands or the clothing of Jesus to heal or to cure the Roman centurion's servant. It doesn't say that. Jesus said, As you have believed, so be it done unto you. You believe in the Word. It's the highest type of faith. It's great faith. You don't need to see anything. You don't need to feel anything. I don't have to come with you. You don't have to see me lay my hands upon her. You believe just in the spoken Word, the message of the Word alone. That's it. So you see, that's the highest type of faith to receive. This woman believed in the anointing that Jesus was anointed with. Her faith was in the anointing, and there's nothing wrong with that. God has provided it. We might as well get a hold of it. Amen? But her faith was in that anointing, and that's why she used everything she had to touch the hem of His garment to be delivered, to be made whole and set free. So Jesus knew that virtue had gone out of Him. He said, "Who touched my clothes... In the 20th century, I believe it says, who made a demand upon my ability? She made a demand upon Jesus' ability or the power that was in him. His disciples said, you see the multitude throng in thee and sayest thou who touched me? He looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told all the truth. He said to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and behold thy plague. But what was her faith in? See, you see where her focus was. You know what her faith was in. It was in the anointing. And so you see, the anointing of God is here. And even under the Old Testament, they didn't have those kind of meetings. And, and I don't believe that they really understood even about the anointing power of God to heal. As it has been revealed through the Son of Righteousness with healing in His wings. I mean, they marveled at the things that had happened. This was not a common occurrence in Israel. All the lepers were there and all the blind. Matter of fact, they said, never has it been that a man's eyes have been opened who were blind. Who was, didn't say that? Obviously. Healing was uh, somewhat back there, but it wasn't prevalent like when the days of Jesus. Thirdly, John's Gospel, chapter 5. John's Gospel, chapter 5. And as we read these scriptures, I believe we can clarify some things that have been believed within the body of Christ as to why Jesus healed this man, but others were not healed. In this particular chapter, we have a revelation of the gifts of the Spirit producing healing. Healing by the gifts of the Spirit. We can say faith in the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 1, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And Bethesda just meaning house of mercy gifts. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, why would people be there? But I want you to circle that word waiting. They were there waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel, of the, for an angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Man, if you can bottle that. I said, if you can bottle that when the troubled water came. I mean, when the water was troubled. And would to God it would be that everyone that dipped in at the troubling of the water were healed. Every single one, right? Would to God it would be that way. But I want you to notice the gifts of the Spirit are not that way. This is something God initiated. This is an example of the gifts of the Spirit. This is something God initiated. Verse 5 says that a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him a lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now let's notice this. God himself initiated this gift, this mercy gift of healing. Although it's his desire that all be made whole and all be well. You see, and we know that. The revelation obviously had not come to, all the, to these people yet that that was his desire for them. He could not allow it to happen in that manner because if it did, then everybody would believe in the troubling of the water and not believe in the true water of life. See, gifts of the Spirit are our mercy gifts, gifts of compassionate love, that yes, every man will profit with all and, and be helped and, and aided by them. But they are not designed for the just to live by. God never designed that the just live by faith in the gifts of the Spirit. The just are to live by faith in the message, not in any other method of healing. And so you see, we have an example here that although it's God's desire for many to get healed, for everyone to be healed rather, He cannot allow it to happen by the gifts of the Spirit, otherwise their faith would be improper. We can't just have give faith in the gifts of the Spirit and expect to be sustained throughout the full length of our days upon this earth. It doesn't work that way. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And by His word we are upheld, sustained, maintained, and propelled. He sent His word to heal us. It's a medicine to all of our flesh. See, that's His highest level. That's what He wants us to achieve in life. He wants us all to make that our aim in life. He doesn't want us living by the manifestations of the Spirit. But that does not belittle the manifestations of the Spirit. It just puts them in their proper place in God's program. And we see here that at the time of the troubling of the water, this man put himself where he needed to be. And I commend him for this. Not only was he where the gifts of the Spirit were in operation, but he was also trying to do what was needed to be done so that it can work in his life so that he can be delivered and set free. And although someone else beat him every time, he was still there day after day after day after day after day, season after season after season after season, waiting upon the Lord, waiting upon the move, waiting upon the gift, waiting. You know what? You can spend a lot of years waiting to get healed. You can spend a lot of years waiting for the Spirit of God to move. And if that's all you do, wait and wait and wait and wait, you might wait till it's too late. You see what I'm saying? We need to put ourselves where the gifts are in operation. But if that is where the limit of our faith is, then, beloved, we may be waiting for a long period of time and never experience the joy of being healed within our physical bodies. And so we have to understand that although it's a part of the program of God, it is not the way that everybody should be seeking permanent help from God. He always wants us 
to look to His Word first and foremost. He wants us to put His Word first place within our lives. He wants us to receive the message and then let these others be where they belong in second and third place here. One, two, and three. And then, as we cooperate with Him in the Word, with the anointing, there'll be various times that the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation to accomplish the purpose of the will of the Father. But for the most part, it'll be for those who have probably limited understanding and knowledge of the things of the Word of God in the message of healing. See, there are love gifts. There are mercy gifts. Compassionate gifts. To help us get to a higher level of faith in, in, in God. So that's exactly what He has done for us. He's provided these three different ways. And he, he wants us to understand that if we truly desire to be delivered and to be set free, then we need to first of all and foremost put the Word first. Look to the Word of God with great intensity. Look to the Word of God with great earnest desire. Look to the Word of God with a heart full of hunger, a hungry heart, and thirsty after the things of God concerning the healing of your body in the Word. Then, begin to gain understanding of the, of the anointing of the Spirit. The anointing power of God, the healing power, the anointing power of God. Gain some understanding so that we can have faith to cooperate with the anointing. See, first one uh, involves cooperating with the Word of God, the faith. The second one involves cooperating with the anointing of God, keeping the switch of faith turned on, you know, with regard to the anointing of God so it continues to flow within our bodies and produce healing. And then third, and I suggest this for everybody, while you're doing the first two, be in a situation, be in a position, put yourself in a position where the gifts of the Spirit are moving so that you can be in a position should the troubling of the water come and it's your turn, praise God, receive. It just so happened that the true water came and, and the water was troubled right there at that season. But it wasn't the water that was out there, you see. Jesus was the one. And it just so happened that Jesus saw that man, the Spirit of God, uh, moved upon his life. It was a gift of the Spirit and manifestation. He had revelation of the man's condition, how long he'd been in that condition. And by the revelation of the Word of Knowledge and all the things that the Spirit of God gave to him, he saw his, his need. He was cooperating with the Spirit of God. Went to that same man and said, Rise, wilt thou be made whole? Rise and take up thy bed and walk. Notice all those times, all those times he was trying to get in by the gifts of the Spirit. Well, praise God. Maybe the water didn't trouble out there, but the gift of the Spirit was an operation in Jesus' life. You know, very often many don't have that manifestation because they don't, they don't put themselves in a position like that man did. They don't happen just like gifts of the Spirit like that. If you have faith in the gifts of the Spirit and you put yourself in that position, then they're more apt to be in manifestation. We all must desire these things like that man desired it. You don't desire healing if, you know, like, I'm telling you right now, this guy desired healing. And the proof of it is the very fact that even while others were going, he was still trying. Who knows how long he was there? He was still trying. He was still trying. I can imagine him lying there by the edge of the water, believing for it to be troubled by the angel so that he can be the first one to dip in, and yet somebody still beat him. That's a desire, isn't it? That's hunger, isn't it? And that's why Jesus was led to the one man, I believe, because of his heart hunger. Did you ever see it that way before? Because of his heart hunger. It didn't matter what your attitude was. If you were quick and you got in that water, you were healed, whatever disease you had. And this man had the right, he was, had a heart hunger, but he couldn't get in. The Spirit of God moved upon Jesus and the man got delivered and set free. These are three ways, these are three methods. We should be students of the Word first. We should cooperate with the anointing of God and we should be in a position with the gifts of the Spirit or an operation and they could move so that we can, you know, benefit even by them. But no matter how you view it, my brother and sister, the Son of Righteousness has arisen with healing in His wings and it's His heartfelt desire that every child of God be delivered and set free and be made whole. Can you say amen? And I believe that the Son of Righteousness has arisen within our hearts and He's here right now and the anointing of God abides within us. And according to Romans 8, 11, the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you and dwells in me. And that's the anointing of God to quicken our mortal bodies. You say, well, now how do I cooperate with that? Well, if you're a child of God out there and you have some disease within your physical body, let me just share this to, with you. Remember the story back there in, in uh, 2 Kings when Elisha the prophet was sitting with the prophets? 
And they had no food to eat because of the great famine that was in the land. And remember they went out there and they got some herbs to cook up in the pot. And remember when they began to eat, they didn't understand, didn't know at that point that there was poison in the pot. So they began to eat and they found out there's poison in the pot. Poison in the pot. And what did the prophet tell them to do? He said, put some meal in it. Put some meal in it. Coarse flour in it. Symbolic of bread. Put the bread of life in it. Put the word in it. Eat three meals a day of that. It'll counteract that poison that's in your system. Sickness and disease. You want to know how to kill a cancer? Give it three good healthy meals a day. I said, give it three healthy meals a day. I said, feed it on the word of God. Three healthy meals a day. Feed it the word. Give it a good meal. Amen. In the morning. Give it a good meal at noontime. Give it a better one in the supper, in the evening time for your supper. Feed, feed it the word of God. It'll counteract the poison that's in the body. You see, it's the true bread of life. It'll do it. That's what's symbolic of. How do I cooperate with the Holy Ghost? If you're a child of God and you're not spirit-filled speaking with other tongues, see, then you're not cooperating with the anointing. You say, what's so important about that? You have to have this revelation. The Scripture said in Romans 8, 11, that if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell where? In you. Then He'll quicken your mortal body. He'll bring life, health, vitality, strength. He'll animate your mortal body. Cause it to act like an immortal body. Is what He's saying. It's, it's the earnest of our inheritance. As much as He can give you know, us. But you see, when, when we don't receive the, the fullness of the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, you see, then we're not cooperating with the anointing. Because the anointing's on the inside. Stir up that gift of God within us. If we don't receive the Holy Ghost, you see, then we're not cooperating with God. And we are limiting Him when it comes to delivering us and healing us. Then you say, how do I cooperate with God for the gifts of the Spirit? Well, once you receive the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, then you begin, don't stop there, then you begin to yield to the Holy Ghost and continue praying in the Holy Ghost, speaking unto God, and if you are obedient to do that, which is the doorway into the supernatural, then you'll enter in and press into the realm of the Spirit and the Spirit of Revelation will come upon you and the Spirit of God will be able to guide, lead, and direct you as to what you would do or what you should do. Because, you see, very often there are things that will come unto us by revelation of the Spirit as a gift of the Spirit that will enable us to know how exactly we should cooperate with God the Father to be healed, to be delivered, or to be set free. And if we'll just yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost, you see, then you see we're, we're yielding to the Father, we're yielding to the Son, we're yielding to the Holy Ghost. So the Father's plan, the works of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost who cooperates with us and, and we with Him to do what? To make what God has planned out and Jesus worked out a reality within our lives. Jesus did those things by the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God that was making the things of the Father a reality within the lives of the people. It was the Spirit of God who was hovering upon uh, the people... Uh, Quickening the word that Jesus was preaching and when he laid hands upon them and did all the things that he did. It was the Spirit of God, you see, causing things to become real in the lives of the people. And I believe that the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us. I believe the same Spirit that is so powerful, he can take Jesus' body that was, of course, pierced and beaten. I mean, just absolutely ripped apart and cause that body to be changed by his almighty power into an immortal body. Is the same Spirit that lives inside you, that lives inside me, that has enough power to cause these bodies that are not all that destroyed and all not that, be, you know, that beaten up, can cause them to be healthy and to be whole once again. I know it sounds, to, to those who are, you know, having, having problems with their physical body, it sounds like it's way out there somewhere. It's too far for me to reach out. Beloved, let's get all that down out of our minds. Let's get all that down out of our heads. And let's let our hearts be opened up under the sun of righteousness. And let's realize that nothing is too difficult for our God. If our God said it, He does it. If He spoke it, He makes it good. It doesn't matter what the case is. Nothing's too difficult. Nothing's too hard for Him. I remember one instance where one gave testimony where they had so many lep lepers lined up. Noses were eaten off. P body parts were act actually removed, you know. Skin just taken off, just eaten away by this ungodly disease. And they came before uh, the man of God. And they prayed. And they prayed to God and said, By the lightning power of the Holy Ghost, deliver these and make them whole. And they walked right before their eyes when all the skin became of nose was created right there. And body parts just began to come back all over. Fingers that were removed began to grow right on back out. 
Oh, beloved, just as Israel, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They thought that He couldn't do all these things for them or wouldn't do these things for them, whatever the case was. We don't want to be there, do we? We want to rise up to a place in faith where we just believe God. Hallelujah. Although it may contradict what we think in our mind, although our feelings may say something else, and although our eyes may see something else, we've got a great, a mighty God, a powerful God, and we will not limit the Holy One of Israel. If God said it, it has to be good. If God spoke it, He's going to make it good, and He's going to do it. And I believe tonight the Spirit of God is hovering over this place upon the lives of people to cause the Word that we've heard to be a reality in every individual person's life this night. Can you say amen? And I believe it from the depth of my being. Hallelujah. It is as He has spoken. He is the God who is more than enough. He is the God of all plenty. And the name of Jesus is higher than the name of sickness and disease, of cancer, tuberculosis, blindness, deafness, whatever the case may be, whatever the condition is, the name of Jesus is high above all those names. And I believe the names of those diseases must bow their knees right now to the authority that's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for truth. The Son of Man, the Son of Righteousness, has arisen with healing in His wings. And it's all for you and it's all for me. Are you ready for it? I said, are you ready for it? Okay, if I can have the praises to come up here right now and the musicians praise God, I'm ready for it. Are you excited tonight? I said, are you excited tonight? Do you have great anticipation, expectation inside your heart this night? you believe your God is big enough? Is He more than enough? I know that He is. Can you say Amen. I said, I know that He is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, don't shut it off. Just turn it on. Pray in the Holy Ghost with me right now. Praise God Almighty. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.